Hello, family, and welcome back to another week here on the Kay and Shy Show. I feel like we should have chimes or something for this week. Ooh, we don't have props. Because we are talking about faith and spirituality. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Kay, Kay's our chime. I'll be the chime. This week, we're diving into the differences between spirituality and religion, some really interesting examples of religion and spirituality at play, and some ways that you might be able to find yourself getting more connected in your day-to-day life. So stay chimed in because we're about to get started. Ding. All right, this week we are tackling faith and spirituality, and I hope that you hear in those words that it is not the word religion, and we'll talk about religion, but religion is really the institution that's been formed around these ideas and states of faith and spirituality. So if you ascribe to a particular religion, just so you know, we're not here today to try and get you to convert or join anything else. Today we are talking about the concepts of spirituality at large, um, and maybe Maybe some ways that you can find yourself integrating more spiritual techniques into your life that can help you live a more full expression. Right. Because whether or not your faith and spirituality express through religion or not, all of us have some kind of element of this. Even if your faith is agnostic, even if your spirituality is, I only believe in the evidence of what's real and what's in front of me, there is still faith in that, right? There's faith in the fact that gravity works. And we all have faith in that because we, quote, know it to be true. And so our faith is bolstered by that every time we get the um, confirmation from reality that it is like that. But let's think about where faith and spirituality originated from for our species as humanity. As humans, we evolve. We're, we're these pale, kind of hard to protect little things that need a lot of care for a long time. There was a lot of things that could challenge our existence. And so faith and spirituality really was born out of this. How do we answer the questions we can't answer about our existence before we had anything else to help us do that? Well, if we think about the religions of early people, that really kind of goes into shamanism, into earth-based religions, right? We uh, work with the suns and the changing of the seasons because life is pretty dang confusing if you have no rubric for it, right? Now we have this understanding of what things are and we've got language and we have ways, but early humans had no idea. Like, can you even imagine? Like, you, you're like, what is that burning ball of fire in the sky? And why is that warm when it touches and when the cloud goes in front of it, all of a sudden I'm cold. And then sometimes the cloud dumps rain and, and sometimes it, it dumps snowballs, like not snow, but snowballs, like it, it'll end. And they don't have a they don't have any shared language for it, any rubric of understanding. And so everything becomes mystical. Everything becomes magical. And the natural world is where we start to see rituals and religion really start to come to play. Now, what the difference is, obviously, between the other species on this planet and ours is that we know we're here, that we have this awareness and that we can use our mental faculties like imagination to imagine what the future would be like. So we have awareness and we and we are able to extend that awareness both 
to the future and to the past. Now, some of our animal brethren, obviously, they go to a farm, there's berries there, they're going to go back to that farm because they remember that. That's using past experiences, but that's not using imagination or foresight into what could be. And this ability to imagine what could be is where this mystical uh, uh, rising came from within humans, right? Not only does that ball of fire go up and down every single day, but sometimes the other ball goes in front of it. Now, if you're if you're an ancient person, you're going to ascribe mystical meaning to that, right? There were warriors who wouldn't go to war because the eclipse happened on the day that they were supposed to launch, right? There are all kinds of things. This was a good sign or a bad sign. The times of human sacrifice, it seems trivial to talk about now because we all know what the sun is. We know what the seasons are. We know what the eclipse is. But imagine if you can being an early human and trying to make sense of the world around you, you would come up with some pretty crazy explanations. And if everyone around you said, that sounds like a good explanation, you might start to see some institutional things forming like religion, but it's coming from that quest, that curiosity to seek more and to understand that deeper meaning of life. And that's what spirituality is. So it wouldn't be a K and Shy show uh, starter if we did not get into a little bit of definitions. So we talked a little bit of history. Let's talk about the definition that Webster's gives of spirituality. Now, spirituality is the quality of being concerned with the human spirit or soul as opposed to material or physical things. Now, there were a couple things in that definition that were seemed almost like they might have been missing, right? There was no uh, spirituality is a set of rituals. There was no spirituality is a certain dogma. There was no spirituality is really anything other than a quality of being concerned with the human spirit or soul, being concerned with the awareness inside that says, ah, we are on this planet and we can have that imagination extend into that future and that past. Right. I love that, that ability to question if you've ever thought, why am I here? Even in a uh, ironic sense, this is that exploration of spirituality. And our guess is, based on the studies and the research, that for our listeners who are of the baby boomer generation or the Gen X generation, that for you, traditionally, your spirituality is cased and housed within a religious institution. But for millennials and Gen Z, what the research is showing is that that these generations are highly focused on spiritual faith and faith exploration and they are not focused on that happening within a religious institution. Heard it phrased this way in a recent presentation about the generations and how they're relating to each other. The millennial generations, if they were to have a life motto, the life motto would be life is a buffet. Now, actually, the author said cafeteria, but the author was a baby boomer and didn't realize that us millennials would not relate to cafeteria. But the idea behind cafeteria (laughs) is the buffet, right? And we treat our spiritual exploration that way as well, right? I want to grow a little bit spiritual from Jesus and from Oprah, from the dog that's barking in the neighborhood and the Tao Te Ching. I want to grab back all of the different things that are going to feel right for my personal faith and exploration. And I think that's both a reflection of our generation and something really interesting to digest. Well, I think that as we've seen the rise of quantum physics over really this last hundred years and the 90 years uh, of since the nuclear arms race uh, of the 1940s, um, since we've seen kind of this rise of quantum physics, we've also seen science start to back up 
up, not religious principles, but spiritual principles, things like, you know, energy in motion stays in motion. Now that seems like it would just be something from a physics class, but we, the spirituality is very much concerned with the energy because as you've heard us mention here in this podcast before, uh, Bruce Lipton talks about what is the difference between an alive human and, and a cadaver. Well, the alive human, if you can look at them through a, a certain type of, of machine, you'll see that they radiate magnetism and electricity. The cadaver does not have that electricity, which means when we get down to the real nuts and bolts of what that spiritual self is, what that human spirit or that soul is, it's made up of electricity. And so that brings us into that physics realm where we now start to have quantum physics backing up a lot of what was brought forward as those explanations from a fantastical perspective, but saying, look, science can actually prove it. And the blending of those things, I think, has allowed for dogma to get out of the way and that buffet to come and be front and center. Yeah, buffet definitely works way better as I hear you talk about it there. And I'm so glad that you brought forward that perspective. And if you're on your own spiritual and faith quest and you're like, I need some help and some guidance, we're going to get into some questions that you can ask yourself on the next segment. So make sure that you come back so that you can hear those questions. But before we do that, I want to make sure, you know, we talked about the institution of religion, but a Professor Shy coming at you, right? I, I teach sociology. Religion is one of our major topics that we talk about to one, just for those of you who are parts, uh, part of a religious institution, just like uh, put down your pitchforks and swords, like <laughs> we're not here to attack your religion. And in fact, we celebrate a beautiful vehicle for spirituality. Absolutely. And what religious institutions have done for communities is very positive. Now we could all point to the crusades and we could point to the, the sex scandal cover-ups and we could point to all kinds of bad things that have come out of the institution. But let's play at another level and talk about the good things that have come out. Because think about every church in every neighborhood has daycare available, has social support, has meal delivery service, has cancer funds raising, has community support built in that wouldn't have been provided to the public in other ways. So not only does this institution serve the social need of us as a species exploring our spirituality and our faith, but it also serves that social need of providing community, a sense of being a sense of belonging and a sense of support when a lot of other institutions and a lot of other groups haven't done that. So I wanted to make sure that we celebrate the fact that so many religious institutions have done a lot of good and will continue to do a lot of good. And if you're a listener who's in a religious institution and you do a lot of good through your church and through your religion, thank you. Thank you for being one of those people and for helping demonstrate that however you carry the torch of spirituality and faith, it's an important torch to carry. We're going to continue this conversation on spirituality, on faith, and all things, uh, but not until we've heard a quick word from our sponsors. Do you want what you want sooner rather than later? Do you find yourself growing more effectively in environments where people are growing alongside you? Well, we have the conference for you. Do you love going to events as much as we do? Then you want to be in the room for the Further Faster Conference happening October 29th and October 30th in Las Vegas, Nevada. Now, the Further Faster Conference is headlined by our dear friend, mentor, and business partner, Joseph McClendon III. And trust us, you're going to want to be in the room. This is two days jam-packed of material that will help you grow personally and 
and professionally. And if you're wondering how to make a million dollars in 10 years, you have to be in the room to hear the strategy that Joseph is going to share. It is phenomenal. Go to neuroencoding.com slash FFC to learn more about the Further Faster Conference coming at the end of October. We hope to see you in Vegas. And now back to the show. We've had some really cool access to some really cool people, and we want to share it with you. We have an amazing interview series of some of the interviews we've done with celebrities like Dr. Deborah Tillman, America's Super Nanny, Dr. Joseph McClendon III, famous neuropsychologist, uh, former professor of UCLA. We've got Dr. Bruce Lipton, author of Beyond Belief, and we even have John Maxwell, the number one leadership expert. Your sisters want to bring you into the room with our most exclusive access. So go to knshy.com. Right there on the homepage, you will see a button that says get my celebrity interview series and we would love to share our access with you k-a-y-a-n-d-s-h-i.com we'll see you over there you're enjoying this episode on angel phoenix productions podcast network to explore a complete lineup of quality programs and media production services head on over to angelphoenix.com or like our facebook page at facebook.com forward slash angel phoenix productions We're keeping up here on Spirituality Week. We've got a dive in that we think you're going to love and some dimension that can be brought forward into just how much your spiritual belief can play into your everyday thinking. Right. That uh, that concern for more so what's happening on the inside for one's own soul versus material things is that definition we're using here. And if you're playing that inner game, then it is a spiritual game, even if you're atta- attacking it in a much more methodical or scientific way. It's still a spiritual game, right? Because you're, you're working on what's on the inside. And so if that is a quest that you're on um, and you're like, I need a little bit more boundaries around this, I need a little bit more direction, we want to bring forward some questions questions that kind of help us hit, I think, those those walls around spirituality and faith so that once you can materialize each of those walls, you go, ah, I got it. This is what's inside that room for me. And that's what's so important. So listen up on these questions because they're going to help you figure out exactly what those walls are and how you define spirituality and faith. Now, these come from a minimalist blog that is all about exploring spirituality. And there are several categories that they really talk about just the pervasiveness of understanding how deeply our spiritual beliefs impact our lives and what we do on a daily basis. So the first section that we want to look at is how our spiritual beliefs affect ourselves. And these kinds of questions come forward into things like, does spirit or God even care about me? Are they mad at me? Are they pleased with me? Is there a spirit? Is there a divine? Who am I? Where did I originate? Where did everyone originate? Is everybody equal if we all originated from the same source? And if so, on what basis? What is my responsibility for caring for others in life? of that information. What I love about these questions, okay, that you just outlined, and then this set of five kind of categories is again, that it allows us to put a little bit of parameter around that, right? So these five things are really addressing five different areas that 
traditionally the institution of religion addresses for us. But if you're constructing your own church on the inside, these are those five things that you're going to want to address. So the first one, as Kate just mentioned, is ourselves. How are we orienting ourselves in this world? How do we feel about ourselves? How do we define ourselves? Where did we come from? Where are we going? What's our purpose? That's that first one. The next one is the world around us. So really figuring out how we define the world around us and then answering questions like, in what specific ways should we care about the world and environment around us? How much of that is a priority for you? And what is your orientation there? Is your motivation in this regard more significant than survival of our species? It might be. That's important to know. And how do we as humans responsibly interact with our species and with our environment in a more significant way? So now we've got those two walls. We're looking at ourselves and defining some things around that and then the world around us and defining some things around that. So the next banner that we have to fly here and the walls that we're building, uh, these rooms that we're exploring is the room of morality, right? Uh, What's interesting is that the morality-based religions didn't really come into play until we see uh, the rise of Judaism and Christianity and Islam really take center stage. And that's when we start to attach people's morals with their religious doctrine. And there is a historical shift that happens at some of the peak violence that we actually see within in our world's history, right? Humans are relatively a peaceful species. Then we have this real war-torn kind of war-oriented hundreds of years that we go through and we see the rise of morality really being tied to religious institution because religion was a way of getting people to embrace morals so that maybe they would not kill thine brother. (laughs) Maybe they would not steal from each other and maybe they would uh, consider these things. So this next room is morality. And the questions here are, is there a moral set of truth for the universe established from a higher power or is morality determined by each individual? A twin cousin to this set of questions here is that question around evil. So it's not enough just to say what is morality and what, how is it determined, but then to directly specify what is evil. And, and for us to do that as individuals will look different. And yes, there are universals that all of us are going to say, I fall somewhere, uh, you know, pretty close to murder is bad right? But not every human falls there. Every human who wants to explore their own faith and spirituality, though, is going to say, what do I define as evil? What does that look like? What extent should I counteract it? So not only what is evil, but what is my role in fighting that evil, in vanquishing that evil, and addressing that evil? So a quick cousin to morality, but still an important one. Right. One of the questions that's in there for evil that I love, too, is, uh, is it there for a reason? Mm. Is there a function of evil? evil. And, you know, Shai, you talk a lot about functions in your sociology class. And uh, the first time you ever illuminated the function of poverty for me, it was definitely a light bulb and aha moment. I'm hoping you'll do the same for our family here. Well, that might sound so crazy, right? Like the function of poverty and it hurts your heart because you are a human being and you care about others, or at least I I hope it hurts your heart a little bit. But But there is this perspective that nothing would last in humanity if it wasn't functioning for us on some 
level. And so to still have this level of poverty after 200,000 years of progress and 500 years of capitalism and industrial revolution, really only about 300 years on that one, then there, there's got to be some function to it. So seeing that there are on this grand societal stage functions to poverty, then it makes it a little bit more gray when we say, well, being poor is evil or living impoverished is evil. Like that, that can be very black and white, but it's not very helpful in terms of addressing it. So very interesting with anything that you might deem as bad or evil, asking what's the function and why has it lasted can help you have a better understanding of Gotta it. Gotta love that functionalist perspective. That's right. Thanks for bringing that in here. Now, the the next room that we have to explore uh, that spirit can permeate is the money room. Now, some of the questions that get asked in this realm are, does the universe or God give money and status to some but not others, right? That question of fairness. Uh, or is money slash status earned by the individual? What should I do with money and status if and when I obtain it? And do I hold any responsibility to care for others who have less than I do? That these are great questions to ask to kind of help bring more of that spiritual flow into every aspect of your life. Right. You think about how Mother Teresa would answer something like this versus Ayn Rand, right? Like the author of Atlas Shrugged. Very different orientation around what we should do with wealth and money and how we should treat that, what our responsibility and our role is in that. But only knowing your internal values can help you figure out how you address those things um, and how you're building that church of spirituality inside. Finally. Oh, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. Mother Teresa is like one of the best saleswomen of all time. Mm -hmm. Chick raised over a billion dollars a B, with a B. Like she was a billionaire. Like she didn't make the, she kind of did. I mean, she, she flowed billions. She flowed billions, but she flowed them through to charitable causes. I mean, we couldn't get past Mother Teresa without talking about her usage of that money flow in order to do good in the world, right? She took these questions and answered them with, yes, it is my responsibility to care for those with less. So much so that I will live with less myself and channel billions in order to help those in need. Sorry. I could not leave without a shout out for our girl, Mother Teresa. Well, MT really showed the way on this <laughs> one. <laughs> Love that because it, it helps demonstrate too that it's not this yes or no. Like, am I deciding money good, money bad? Like, it's so much more than that. And we see it expressed in completely different ways based on how someone is going to define their values and answer questions like these internally. Now, finally, the last piece that we have to answer here is our ideas around the afterlife. Obviously, religion was a, one of the first things, uh, first reasons that religions sprung up was this idea of the afterlife, right? The, the great question that cannot be answered in life is what happens when we die, right? So this is going to be that great mystery that each of us gets to solve on our own time, find out in our own way, and unfortunately not report it back to the rest of the species because that's all of our own internal quest to get to go through and discovery to make. But these questions about the afterlife can help dictate how how it is you live your current d during life right if it's afterlife so you're during so you're during life you're so now yeah your present life is dictated about what you believe will happen in the afterlife right and you can see how this plays out amongst different religious ideologies here but here's some questions to ask yourself is there life after death is death something to be feared or welcomed and either way, how should I be preparing for it today? So some really interesting questions. Again, it, when you are doing your own spiritual and faith exploration, thinking, how do I define myself, 
the world around me, what's moral, what's evil, what is the role of money and what is the role of afterlife can help you figure out exactly what that looks like for you. So we're going to unpack this idea of spirituality and religion with some cool examples, some fun stories and more coming at you over the course of the rest of the week in our mini-sodes. And remember, this is all coming at you with love from your sisters, Kay and Shai. This podcast was a production of Angel Phoenix Productions. Explore more episodes of this show or other great shows on the Angel Phoenix Podcast Network by visiting angelphoenix.com. The views expressed in this show do not necessarily represent those of Angel Phoenix Productions or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners.